Oh, jeez. Welcome to UFC Roundup. Michael's wearing a giant tiger. And <laughs> I wasn't ready for that one. That truly surprised me. Um, Michael, I want to start this show by officially coming clean and admitting to our audience that I have accepted the fact that I am old as F. Oh, man. Michael, my hips quoting Dr. Davidson of the UFC's medical department and head of an ER, a professional I trust. I have 80 year old man hips on a 39 year old body. That's how bad oh, I year old man hips, complete bone on bone, torn everything, degeneration, arthritis. I'm basically potentially looking at 39 year old hip replacement surgeries. That's where I'm at. So I've had some bad news this week. Good thing is I can swim. Good thing is I'm young and I'll recover from it pretty quickly and I'm going to meet with a bunch of specialists. But how are you doing in life before we get into Luke A versus RDA and we're going to talk 292 coming up this weekend in Boston. But let's get let's get the bad news out of the way. You got any bad news you want to share? Uh, well, first and foremost, we can change your name from the Iron Lung to the Iron Hips. So we can make a little transition, make a little light out of the situation. Um <laughs> <laughs> I had to say it, dude. I'm going to have more. And just think, like, that's not the end of it, right? If I have my hips done, my knees are probably close. My shoulders, if I keep swimming, that I'm probably going to destroy them, too. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't have that bad of news. I mean, my little dog, Stone Cold, he's been kind of going through some issues. We had to take him to the ER. That was really scary the other night, dude. Like, he, uh, he went into, like, his heartbeat was racing fast. And then all of a sudden, his heart stopped. And they had to resuscitate him. So oh, my God. Him, so... My little guy's on the mend. We got an appointment tomorrow to to see what's going on with him. But yeah, uh, pretty scary stuff. Yeah, that's sad, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I hope he okay. uh, hope he makes a full recovery. Anyway, all right. Bad news out of the way. Michael's dog is on the mend. Hopefully, my hips will be on the mend soon. So triathlon is <laughs> taking a little break for a little while. Yeah, just a little focus on work, on family. And uh, on UFC Roundup and how we can get uh, Dustin Poirier to start sponsoring us officially. That's what um, I'm we'll saying, see. dude. I'm, I'm, yeah. I've been waiting for it. I should have yeah. said something in 291. She's like, dude, what's up with the hot sauce sponsorship, dude? Like, what's you know? But then he gets head kicked, and you just, you don't want to you don't want to bring it up. You don't want to bring up sponsorships after somebody gets head kicked. No, that's true. But um, I think we're getting right into this weekend, right? Yeah. Uh, let's go over Luke A and RDA now. It was a very competitive matchup. And Luke, I thought, fought an extremely smart fight, especially for somebody that was coming off of a devastating knockout to Jeff Neal, right? He had the brain bleed. Brain bleed we all know that. Yeah. Now, I also talked to some people and got more details on it. It sounds horrific, right? But apparently it was very, very, very small. And they were being very, very cautious, which is what you want the medical professionals around a fighter to do, right? You got to put them on the shelf. Rest up, dude. And I'm glad that Vicente took the time. He really rested up. And he came back and he fought smart. He didn't get into those Vicente brawls that he's capable of and try to mix it up. He used his wrestling. He knew he was going to be the bigger guy in there. And I thought he just came out with a very strategic, smart approach. And, you know, similar to what Corey Sandhagen just recently did, where it's like, listen, these guys are capable of exciting fights. It doesn't mean that they're always going to have to do that. These guys have to worry about their career, their money, and their health. Sometimes they're going to go out there and they're going to be tactical. It doesn't mean they're done fighting a little wild and a little crazy. 
Yeah, I mean, going back to Corey Sandhagen, I while it wasn't, we have a high expectation for Corey Sandhagen. When he fights, we're ready to see that dynamic striking and all the flash that he brings to the octagon. And to me, I still found it to be very entertaining because he showed he's a dual threat. But when it comes to Vicente Luque and Jeff Neal, Luque made the biggest adjustment that that everybody kind of picked up on and that's from a from a wrestling standpoint he stands very stationary he's not a hard guy to take down we saw that in the Bilal Muhammad fight and and I even had a little success myself when I fought Vicente Luque but then when he it's the stationary target for the punching and Jeff Neal really exposed that and I think for Vicente he just showed that he can put it all together with just movement. Once he started moving his feet, started moving laterally, yeah. I think that really helped him with the wrestling. I think that that was the biggest thing he needed because when you stand very tall and you got that high guard, it's easy to push a guy back on the center line. So for him to move side to side, I think gave him the opportunity to shift his hips, defend the takedowns better against the fence. Um, and I, I thought the fight was good. I, I like some yeah. grueling types of dog fights. We, we saw good striking. He's competitive, man. We saw good wrestling. We saw good scrambles. I saw some people complaining, and I'm like, that was that was a very entertaining fight. If you're into tactics and martial arts, that fight had it all. Well, and and the thing is too, right? You got to realize that the prelims obviously had an insane amount of first round finishes and knockouts and and, and submissions. But when you watch a fight night, you've got to realize that earlier on the card. There's the exciting prospects. And as you build on the card, you get to the main event. You've got two veterans in there. You've got two dogs that have been through everything, have been through five-round fights, that know how to use all aspects of mixed martial arts, whether it's their wrestling, their jujitsu, their footwork like you're talking about. So you're going to sometimes see a very tactical battle. These guys are damn good at what they do. They're not going to go and be stupid. And RDA, we got to bring up him as yeah. well. I, I thought he had really good moments. Yeah, And I think if that was a 155-pound fight, he can probably win it. I think, unfortunately, I don't think it's the age so no. much for RDA. No, I don't think it's moving great. I think it's size. I think he's not a welterweight. You know this too, Michael, and you've been in there with RDA. Now, listen, I fought him as well, and yeah. he was able to utilize a lot of those strategies and control me and, and use his strength on his grappling. He couldn't do that against Vicente. Vicente was able to reverse him almost every time. The best chance he had was on the feet. But I think he was also so worried that the longer I stay here and try to make this a pure striking battle, if Vicente starts landing clean, he is the bigger guy. He's got good boxing. He's going to hurt me. So he had to, the game plan you could tell was he had to mix in the grappling and he just couldn't make it work. And I also think that he didn't expect Vicente to be able to offensively wrestle himself. I mean, that's as, really as not, much as he did. He had a lot of things that we've not seen him do. And I think him going back to Sanford helped because I know he was spending a lot of time at Serato in Brazil, which is closer to his family. But I think after, you know, the Jeff Neal fight and the Bilal Muhammad fight, he knew he needed to pack up shop and get to Kill Cliff, where you're going to have phenomenal wrestlers. You're going to have these guys help you round off your whole skill set. For RDA, I will say this when I fought him, I remember seeing him at the Wayans. I thought he was pretty small, but he does fill out. He has yeah. really, really big legs. He's he's really, truly the epitome of an in-betweener. He's a tweener. He he would be probably the 165-pound champion at some point in his career if we had that weight class because he had a lot of success at 55, almost got the title at 170, but his time has gone on. The, the stronger, more physical fighters at 170 have given him problems. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's not a knack in his skills at his age, dude. He still looks sharp, him. looks fast. He, I still think he can compete with the best guys in the world. It's just the biggest struggle is going to be the weight. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and let's be honest, Vicente is a strong, capable, well-rounded guy, but he's not the biggest welterweight on the roster. No. By a lot, Michael. I mean, there's some big dudes that are going to be able to give RDA even way more trouble than, than um, somebody like Vicente Luque. Yeah, I agree. Um, the prelims were freaking amazing. Um, yeah. It was one of those nights when all of these fights started getting finished. And six of them, I think, were in the first round. So yeah. seven fights, seven finishes, six of them in the first round. Yeah, I have the stat here. We all started to get this, like, we got a no-hitter going. You don't talk <laughs> about no-hitter. You don't yeah. talk about the perfect game. You just acknowledge that it's happening. You want it to keep going, but you don't say anything. No, in the sixth out. inning, in the sixth inning, if you're freaking pitching a shutout, you're not like, "Hey, dude, three more to go." Yeah, I just you're you just throw shut up and you keep throwing the ball. Who well, screwed it up? Allen, freaking <laughs> handsome, good <laughs> boy. Oh my gosh! You know, oh. they're on the desk, feeling you're all confident. Oh, we're totally gonna break that record tonight. <laughs> Gone, shuts everything down. No more first round finishes. No. Ruins everything. And DC made sure he wasted no time. Went right on Twitter, mid-broadcast. Oh, he went at him. He went at him. I was laughing so hard. It was hilarious. He was pissed. And Joe Ben, I saw him afterwards. Poor guy. He, yeah. You know, obviously, I I hope Alan knows. And if he sees us, we're completely joking around, sure. even though you did jinx it. But uh, we still love you. You're still handsome. And you're still a great analyst. So just don't just don't mention no hitters anymore, man. Yeah. When we're – when we're let pitching a shutout, happen. just let the let the fights unfold. Let the magic let the happen. magic happen. Yeah, yeah, let the magic happen. Everybody wants to be the one to call the shot, though. Like, hey, I told you it was going to be no no hitter. <laughs> yeah. like, I told you it was going to be all first round finishes. Like, no. Yeah. Um, work out that way. But speaking of the prelims, dude, uh, you know, I want to give a little shout out to my man Terrence McKinney. You know, um, really bounced back from a tough loss. He looked really good against Mike Breeden. We saw him in his vintage form. Um, he came out hot. And just did what Terrence McKinney does, and he's just he's an absolute marauder in the first round. So he really is. It's cool to see him get back in the wind call, man. And I like I like that he's down training with Holland. You know, that's something I said to Kevin uh before we actually fought when I saw him at the PI. I said, Hey, I, I'm really happy that Terrence is down with you. I think you'll keep him a little more on the straight and narrow. And I think that uh it's just a good fit for him training-wise. So I'm excited to see what him and Kevin Holland put together with Terrence's career going forward. Yeah, those are two goofballs, man. Yeah. Two, two, two funny-ass guys hanging <laughs> out. The pod. And you could tell Terrence was definitely hyped to get back on that on that win column, man. Yeah. He, he was screaming, looking at the broadcast booth like, I still got it. And it's like, man, we never questioned you, you. You don't have it. You just need to do what you did exactly in there is be aggressive. Be Terrence McKinney. We don't, we're not saying change who you are as a fighter. But just recognize your weaknesses. You tend to slow down. He did pick his shots much more carefully. He yeah. went to beautifully. He he was aggressive without being sloppy and overdoing stuff that he didn't need to do. And if he keeps fighting like that and he just keeps staying consistent, I think a guy like Terrence McKinney, too, who's been through a lot in his life, the more he can fight, the more focused he can stay in camp, the better he'll be just in, a, in his career and in life in general. I think. And that's why I think it's a good fit for him and Holland. I think Holland – they're both yeah, like that. Yeah, Holland, I'm sure he looks up to him a lot. That's probably a big reason why he moved down there. And, man, if he could control his tempo, yes. it's going to be really hard to beat because it's just like, you know, hey, I just got to get out of round one. Well, easier said than done. The kid's a killer in round one. So, But there are guys that have shown that if they can get past that, 
moment and get to where Terrence's weakness is, which is his tempo, you know, they can have success. I can talk about, I could talk about Terrence all day. I could talk. We got it. We got to talk. I mean, we got a huge, huge pay-per-view kind of UFC 292 in Boston. Yeah. Um, Sterling and O'Malley, bro. It's happening. Um, Sean O'Malley finally gets this opportunity. This guy's been a superstar in the UFC ever since he made his appearance on Dana White's Contender Series almost, what, six, seven years ago? Yeah, Is something that even- like that. It's been a while. Twenty six. Uh, it was 2017, I believe. It was 2017. It's yeah, been so six years. It's insane. I called that fight. I remember researching that kid, and here he is, you know, fighting for the belt. Jamal Hill um, obtaining the, the, the light heavyweight belt. The this slew of contender series contenders that we now truly have on the roster that have come through that show. Yeah, Talia it's Santos, cool. Alex Perez, like they both fought for the title as well. It's crazy. It goes on and on that the the amount of talent that we have coming from that show. It's pretty cool to see. It truly is our minor leagues, and it's it's where you get the call up to the big show nowadays. And I, it's going to be an amazing fight. What do you? What are your thoughts? Neither one of us are working it right. Well, so I'm working. Good. You I'm are I'll be you, in Boston, baby. I'm, about, like, I'm head first in this whole freaking card, man. I am so stacked to be yeah, there. Well, then you go, you go first, Michael. Then okay. you talk about what you think, how this thing matches up real quick, and then mm. who you think is going to win. Well, I mean, this is going to be hard for me to pick against Sean O'Malley because I've been friends with Tim Welch for years. We started training together way back in the day, and. Sean O'Malley, what he really has going for him in this fight is his training partners. He's got guys like Bryce Meredith in his training room, who's NCAA finalist. Uh, you know, he was a tremendous wrestler, All-American a few times. He's got Takino for his jiu-jitsu. Tim Welch is shown to be a very good striking coach who has MMA knowledge as well because he was a fighter himself. And he fought at a high level, too. So it's it's rare to see nowadays when th- th- there's a kid as young as Tim that's got that young eye for the sport that's competed for himself at a high level. That's now coaching a kid in a world title. I think that that's a big asset for Sean that he has his own camp. It's just everybody surrounds him, but it's also much of what much of the same of what Aljamain Sterling does. And I like that he's training with Juliana Rosa. I lean a lot on who guys train with as to how I think they're going to do in the fight. Cause I think that plays a big role when you're getting ready for these big fights. Um, mm-hmm. I just think the taller you are, the easier it's going to be for Aljamain Sterling to get to the hips. And not to mention, Sterling's not the most powerful leg kicker, but he can kick, and he can put the kicks together in volume, and we've seen Sean be compromised from kicks. So that's something I think that a lot of people are forgetting about, is the fact that Aljamain Sterling can kick. And I think that's going to play a role in this fight, because there's no way Aljamain Sterling can kick freely, because nobody's going to grab his leg and take him down. Like, who who in their right mind would do that? So... It's going to be interesting to see if Aljamain Sterling attacks the legs. Um, I think that's kind of an X factor in this fight that not a lot of people are talking about. Yeah, I, I, I you're right. He loves to kick. I mean, anytime you watch an Aljamain Sterling fight, that's one of the best weapons that he has on the feet. And it's because he has such a good base in wrestling, such a good base in jiu-jitsu, that he can freely throw them just like you're talking about. He almost welcomes it. Go ahead. Initiate the wrestling exchange. And he will more often than not end up in the better position. Even if, let's say, you do catch that kick, you take him down, Aljamain can sweep, he can scramble, he can find his way onto your back, and then once he's there, you're effed, man. 
He's going to wear on you. He's going to be patient from there. And he will wait until the right opportunity arises or he'll just tick away at the clock and do damage and wear on you the whole time. I think Sean has got to try to hurt him really early in this fight. Yeah. I don't see him winning a five-round decision over somebody like Aljamain Sterling. However, I will say that I am impressed with you know that fight with Piotr Jan. He yeah. showed that he's more durable and has got better cardio than I maybe ever even gave him credit for. I think it's going to be a good fight. I think it's going to be fun. But I do think that Aljamain and his grappling and his control are going to end up being a, a little too much for Sean. But – I don't know. Sean could also catch him. He's he's a powerful, powerful guy at Bantamweight. I think you make a very good point that I think that he needs to he needs to stop Aljo early. Like the longer the fight goes, the more it's going to benefit Aljamain Sterling because you can only run and skirt side to side and use every inch of that 30-foot octagon before There's he finally so grabs you. Like yeah. he will like the longer the fight goes, the more likely you are for him to get his ha- hands wrapped around you. And once once he gets his hands locked, it's it's not even him taking you down. He can just control you. Aljamain is very big for the weight class. He's very strong. We've seen what he's done to guys like Henry Cejudo, Piotr Jan. And if you go by perennial matchups, you know, look at how Aljamain Sterling did in his last fight with Jan compared to the way O'Malley did. But MMA math doesn't always work out when you pair, no. the, you know, who and fought I- who and how they did. It doesn't always work that way. But I do kind of factor it into this fight a little bit. Yeah, I only hope that a lot of the lead up and the, and the conversations and the recordings of Aljamain leading into this fight, he's very confident that he is too much for him. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think this is one of those fights he's wanted for a while. He's wanted this kid because he thinks he can expose him. I, I agree with him. I think he's got the skills to do that. But it's like be threatened by what's on the other side because if Sean O'Malley lands a clean right hand on your jaw, you're immediately going to go, oh, shit, this, this yeah. kid's got really good striking. This kid's really, uh, you know, elusive, especially early on. He's dynamic the with his really striking. The, the way he can faint. And he's got good grappling. He's just yeah. not the wrestling caliber that I think that uh, Aljamain Sterling is. Um, yeah. But I think it's going to be a great fight. I'm, and I'm excited for Sean. Yeah. The, the kid is a superstar. The kid embraces being, you know, this polarizing figure and just mm-hmm. lives for those moments. So. It's a lot of fun to watch inside and outside the octagon. And then obviously it's not the only title fight uh, yeah. on the card. We have Zhang Wei Li coming back against Amanda Lemos, who is, you want to talk about powerful in that division. <laughs> Insane. Insane. Yeah. But is Zhang Wei Li too well-rounded for her, Michael? Does she have the ability to also strike kickbox, have amazing kicks, and has shown that she will absolutely use her wrestling and her top control if she needs to? I watched John Whaley train in Las Vegas and I've had a little insight into her training. Um, and obviously I'm not going to say what kind of stuff they drill or anything, but I just want to talk about her discipline. It's two practices a day, two hours a piece and every practice. She does something of everything. There's strength and conditioning involved. There's jujitsu involved. She has these very long structured practices, which is probably why she's one of the most technically perfect fighters in the UFC. She really does not have any holes in her game. The one hole got exposed against Rose with the wrestling. And then look what she went out and did to Carla Esparza. Um, it's, it's unreal to just see her in the gym. I mean, she's, she's so fast on the pads. She's yeah. very strong. She's in great shape. She's, she is literally a perfect fighter. And then in Lemo, she just got, she was, you know, she's big for 115 pounds. She came down from Bantamweight and she's just got this mean stance. Her legs are wide. She's got a good base. And she can crack. She hits so dang hard. Crack. And I just, 
you know, I'm not saying that Jean Wei is chinny. I'm not. I'm not even going to say something like that because it, that would be out of line. We saw what she could do against Joanna Janjercek. I probably said that totally wrong. Nah, give me Dunanic. But Lemos has the power that she could. She could put that kind of lock, knockout on her as well. You know, yeah. she she's got the kicks. She's got the. I, I just I I focus a lot on her stance and how she chambers her power. Um. But I think that I, I just feel like Jean-Louis Lee is going to just kind of stick to what she's been doing, using her striking to set up the wrestling because she's shown that she's very proficient on the ground. She trains with Josh Hinger, who's a world champion in jiu-jitsu. Phenomenal co- guy to have in your corner. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. a good fight. Uh, I'm I'm, weaning, I'm leaning jean Lee. I think she's just uh, too much. But Amanda Lemos, similar, similar to the main event, right? Just yeah. they're a right hand or a left hand away from – Spoiling the party. Um, yeah. Real quick, we're going to move on the five rounds, but I think uh, we sh- we should just give a shout out to Neil Magny, who's a yeah. as you know, Michael, you've sure. shared the octagon with him for a long time. Yeah. Faces Ian Gary, who's uh, you know young Irish superstar in the making, yeah. fantastic striker. He's stepping in on short notice to face this kid. Neil can play spoiler. These fights, man. <laughs> Anybody that can spoil the party. It's a guy like yeah, Neil. Man. He just yeah. has that style. He's got that toughness, and he's just—he's he, not an easy guy to beat. You know, he's not an easy guy to beat. He is yeah. not an easy guy to beat. I'm looking okay. at that betting line right now, and I'm—I'm I'm pretty astonished. I think that the fact that if it, if he did, wasn't coming out on such short notice, I think the line would maybe be a little bit closer. But if I can still bet on fights, buddy, I might slide a little. Yeah, on I'd like to hear what Yanni and the guys have to have. Yeah, I really do. I would love to hear what they have to say. They would probably say it's worth putting a little bit down on on Magni in that one, man. Just because he's a dog, he's in great shape. Yeah, can go three rounds if you if you can you can beat his ass for that first round. And if you don't have it in the gas, do it again in the second and third. You're you're done. You're done. (laughs) You're in for a long night of getting clinched and need and just hung on. Yeah. And just he's going to be there. All right. With that being yeah. said, let's get to what this show is all about. Let's do five rounds, Cody. Yep. We got some interesting ones. Me, me. All right. I feel there should be a requirement. This I read this earlier, and this. Uh, listen, punctuation is a thing, guys. Let's start to utilize it. But I'll add. <laughs> a punctuation. I feel there should be a requirement for judges to ref or fight for a determined amount of time prior to being allowed to judge, as well as annual eyesight tests and oh. tests on the rules of the game <laughs> sir you need your eyes checked on where commas should be utilized in period yeah like that's that. a lot to take in that's a lot to take in um yeah i mean i think i think there should be some sort of criteria where we're, we're keeping track of the knowledge maybe of yeah. the judges and, and and what they know and what what they're missing and obviously we're talking about this this question is brought up because of the Dawadu and Cub yeah. Swanson fight, which I, I thought was a very awesome fight. Mm-hmm. I thought Cub looked yeah. freaking great in moments. But I do think that Dawadu did enough to win that match. I thought he looked clean. Everything that he got hit with, he was able to bounce back and counter pretty pretty well and landed some, some clean, significant strikes, especially in the clinch exchanges and stuff like that. Cub was busted up pretty good. And whenever you have a fighter such as Cub to even say afterwards that he didn't feel he won the fight, yes, he's hard on himself, but come on. I, don't I know. mean, I've been in his position where I was hoping that I would get a bad decision against Sean Brady. I mean, literally, like, I probably would have felt the same way if I was Cub had I won, but um, 
nonetheless, I do think <laughs> for, for judges, there need there does need to be a criteria. I mean, as far as going taking it as far as like they need their eyes checked and all that stuff. Well, you kind of have to do that to get your driver's license. So I don't really think, but I do think that there should be some type of you have to have some type of background. There has to be something, and maybe. I don't know what they put on their application or how they applied for that job and got it, but I, I definitely, I liked it when, when you go to like New Jersey and you see Ricardo Almeida as a judge. Yeah. I love, I think it's great. It's somebody that understands the positions. It's somebody that understands the sport. And if there's a set guideline for judging, there's nobody that's going to stick better to it than somebody that's either fought or has martial arts experience. So it's something yeah. that I think eh, – can be worked out hopefully it's just the problem is what people don't realize is it's not that easy all fighters wow sorry nice nice push (laughs) we're all like affiliated with a lot of people so you're gonna run into a problem where okay like you know i'm good buddies with paul felder you know even though we don't train together i'm watching him fight yeah i'm just saying you know you never know how these guys might judge a fight because they know somebody there's an affiliation so there's muddy water there it's tough I got you, Michael. If I'm a judge, next fight. <laughs> I got you. Round uh, two. Round, yeah. Next round. Uh, I got a question for you. Is it easier or harder to commentate for someone that beat you? Meaning, is it hard to not reference your fight with him? You did it a little bit last night, and I love it because the specific insight not many people have. Um, You know, Paul, I'm not a commentator. So I'll kind of let you take this one. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I actually really like it when I'm commentating somebody that I've fought. Um, and Michael, you can talk about this from the desk as well, right? I mean, you've had to analyze and break down fighters. I'm sure you're either going to fight or know you could fight or have fought. And for me, it's easy. I've already brought these guys down. I already know how these guys operate. You know what I mean? I've, I've shared the freaking cage with RDA for 25 minutes. I know what those exchanges feel like. I know when he looks tired. I know how hard he hits when he lands those kicks. Like when he's landing some good body kicks against Vicente, my arm was really swollen for, for oh, several yeah. days after that fight because he lands it right on like the outside elbow from South Paul. Yeah. And it's very effective because it does start to swell up your elbow over the course of a five-round fight. Yeah, And he did it pretty well. But Vicente did something that I didn't do well enough, which was come back with that same body kick. And I think it got RDA to stay away from that. So yeah, I enjoy it. It doesn't bother me at all. Like I have no bad blood against guys that have beaten me or that I have fought or I have beaten. I don't, you know, I don't feel one way or the other. I, it, to me, it's, it's done. I'm retired. I got no hips left. I'm going to be in a wheelchair. <laughs> so you know, it's all good. Uh it's not hard for me to talk about a former opponent at the desk, like whether it's somebody that's beat me or I beat them. Um, I'm always going to give them their flowers and keep my personal feelings out of it, especially if it's bad, but I, I don't really have bad blood with anybody I fought. Um, and I do like offering insight into some of my fights, whether I've, whether I beat this person or I've lost to them. It's cool insight for the fans because there's certain things you didn't see in the fight that maybe I felt yeah. or certain things in the lead up or just, it's good to give that type of insight, especially if it applies to the fight. Now, if you're just sitting there bragging about, you know, yeah, when I fought RDA on five days notice with my 80-year-old hips and uh, in my 50-pound weight cut, you know. 52. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a little different. But when you're giving someone their flowers, yeah, talk yes. about it. Yeah, that's usually – and, you know, that's what pisses me off when people come at me on this the social medias of, oh, you're talking about yourself again. 
nine out of 10 times, if I'm talking about myself, especially referring to a former opponent, I am talking about how that person did something well against me and beat me up in certain sense. And not, you'll never hear me be like, when I, you know, spinning back fisted uh, so-and-so and knocked him out cold. Like, I'm not going to bring that kind of crap no. about somebody. I'm going to bring up, oh, man, when Dan Hooker destroyed my calf, when so-and-so broke my orbital bone, like when when Trinaldo landed an elbow and split my face. I'm not going to ever sit there and say no. what I did well against them. So the people at home, it's like, dude, when we're given color opportunity or desk analysis opportunity, the reason we're yeah. freaking there is because we have experience, you idiots. That are goddamn right. Mute the goddamn TV media and people. stop watching fighting and start you got watching it out golf. for social media, dude. You're <laughs> me off. Round three. At least they're not telling you to retire. <laughs> oh, well, they were before Michael, trust me. Regarding <laughs> Corey Sandhagen, MMA is the most uh, exciting sport in the world, but we aren't willing to respect the sport. Tactics matter. No one makes a huge deal when other sports aren't exciting. I disagree with that. Will the sport of MMA ever be respected for its a respective uh, typos here, but a sport first and entertainment second? Um, well, first of all, I, I I mean, I do think that we are a bit um, sensitive as yeah. MMA fighters because it's such an individual sport, right? They're not coming at our team. They're coming at us. They're yeah. coming at what you did personally. You know what I mean? So you, we do boxers too, I'm sure, right? We get criticized. You are directly being criticized for what you did and only what you did. Whereas sports teams get criticized all the time. If the Eagles have a bad game or they played like crap, Philadelphia is murdering them the next oh, day. Especially Philly fans. Yeah. You guys are right? ruthless. You probably well, jump, light your house on fire or something. Yeah, they'll just burn, they'll, they'll try to find you and, and, you know, beat up your son or something like that. So, I mean, <laughs> It, it's insane, but I think because it's a fight as well, right? There's a lot more emotions involved. It's very much more personal, but I do think that people need to lay off, right? It is mixed martial arts. It is not kickboxing. It is not boxing. There are going to be moments of wrestling and grappling and tactics and uh, being smart. So, yeah, I think sometimes you're going to just have to accept that not every fight is going to be a bare knuckle boxing fight. It's not going to be a yeah. bloodbath. If you want that, it's out there. You can go watch that. You yeah. can go watch people peel each other's faces off with no gloves on. But yeah. if you want to watch the best martial artists in the world, you're tuning into the UFC. Period. And the other thing you have to remember, too, is when you get to the main event spot, it's like it's usually they're pitting the best guy against the best guy. You know, the guys with the numbers next to their name, the former champions. So you can't expect a blowout every time. And you can't expect a guy like Corey Sanhagen who's taken a new opponent taking on a new opponent on very great short notice, a great striker with a good jab that's a lot different than who he was supposed to fight before and expect him to go out and strike with him. Even though that's his strength, why not take the path of less resistance? That's yeah. all tactics. When you get to the highest level of all sports, not every game is going to be a blowout. Not every game is going to be, you know, hundreds of points on the scoreboards and all these crazy things. Get to the highest level. You know, sometimes sometimes you got to run the ball, Michael. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes you got to just run, run the ball just and not ball, throw baby. it down deep, right? You got to run the true. ball to avoid that interception, man. And that's true. That's, that's what Corey did. Corey he got some rushing yards. Definitely got some rushing yards yeah. for sure. <laughs> All right, next round. Let's see. Oh, Ben, ben Davis, Davis, the Bane. Davis. One, yeah. can you watch my kids? Is your ACL still intact? 
I'm going to leave these. I'm going to just leave this one up, Cody. I'm going to answer these in succession and then let Paul do it. Um, number one, can you watch my kids while I'm away, while I'm away this weekend? Sorry, I'll be in Boston. Um, no. no. Two, I have a few extra T-shirts that might fit you if you would like them. Um, I don't know. You look like you wear a medium. I'm kind of a tall guy. Yeah, maybe send them over. Any remedies for early onset male baldness? Um, that's a great question. I'm not sure. Um, you should probably Google that. Maybe use WebMD. And my favorite Rocky movie. Oh, I mean, it's Rocky too. It's that's that's got to be the best one. You know, number four is the one I want. That's what I watched in training camp. But number two is my favorite. Yeah. All right. So I will jump in here. Can can you watch my kids? Well, no, Ben, I, I cannot. I'm watching my <laughs> own kids this weekend. I have a wedding for Ryan Kafaro, my friend, this weekend, and it is my daughter's birthday celebration she'll be turning one year old this the 17th she turns one but then on sunday we're having a little party oh it'll be a fun little party we're gonna have a bunch of people over two uh, i have t-shirts listen i probably am a medium still so i will take the shirts if you're a medium or a large and do you have any remedies yeah i mean just ask paul craig and and cowboy Sharoni on where they went and got their uh hair replaced plugs or just get a toupee or just wear a toupee, Ben. I think you're the kind of guy that can pull off a toupee, no doubt about it. And for favorite Rocky movie, um, yeah, I, I truly do love them all. They all have a ridiculous quality to them that I love. But, I mean, man, when he beats Drago, it's my go-to. That's the training camp one, you know, because he's, oh, like, taking yeah. on those that's, that's guys, you, you know. But, yeah. but Rocky too. That was that was just my always my favorite one as a kid. You know, yo, Adrian, I yeah. did yeah, it. He finally did it. And, you know, yeah. I love the first one as well because it – yeah. It's one of those movies too. He doesn't win. Doesn't no. win. No. He shows that he's it's it's like it's perfect, right? It was the movie that finally showed that. It's like, look, this doesn't have this can be an awesome ending without yeah. it being the ridiculous ending. Like he's not gonna beat that guy right off the bat out coming out of like South Philly, smoking cigarettes and, and breaking, <laughs> breaking knuffles and shit. Um, yeah, ripping lung uh, snacks, as our boy Richie would say. Lung snacks. Okay. We have another round. Yeah, we got one more. I love this one. Uh, who could pull off Sugar Sean's look more, <laughs> you or Paul? There's no doubt about this. It's you, Michael. <laughs> I have seen Michael. Michael has had crazy hair from the year. Like we're looking, we're looking at clean cut Michael yeah. Kiesa these days, right? Yeah, this, is, this is rough for me. This but is when like, I was oh, first friends with Michael, the yo, beard yo. was out to here. He had the crazy mullet rat tail going on everywhere. So if there's a man that can pull off the the sugar yeah, love. Paul, give you some some credit though, because you did have a pretty nice rat tail for a while. You had that nice that thing kind of tapered in. Yeah. You know, I, I think I you're just saying, I think what you're saying is is I could pull off the rainbow hair better. I think that that's yes. kind of what you're getting at. Yeah, well, you got you know, <laughs> you, you've grown your hair out much longer too. It yeah, it's better on longer hair, no doubt yeah. about it. Hey, before we close it out, I want to say one thing. Look, um, there's some devastating things going on in, in, in Maui and in Hawaii. Um I'm not linked to any GoFundMes or anything like that, but I'm sure there's a ton of them out there. People, they need our help. So see something, donate a couple bucks, do something. I know I'm going to jump on board. I know UFC's selling Hawaii shirts. Um, They need all the help that we can, that we can offer them. So if you see a link, send them a couple bucks because that'll start to add up and they need it. So shout out to everybody. Shout out to everybody in Hawaii. Um, My heart's going out to you guys. Yes. Let's end it on that, Michael. Well said. Do what you guys can, and uh, we'll be back next week to wrap this up, and um, see you guys soon. Peace.